What's up, MuggleCast listeners? If you want to make an impact online, GoDaddy.com has what you need. Get your own .com domain name for as low as $1.99. Plus, world-class hosting, fast and easy website builders, and much more. Plus, as a listener of MuggleCast, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out, and save an additional 10% on any order. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This week's MuggleCast is also brought to you by Borders. Prepare for the upcoming release of Book 7 by catching a glimpse of where it all began. During the month of April, you can purchase Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone on DVD for only $14.99 at Borders. Also, be sure to reserve Book 7 at Borders at 40% off and get a free sticker. Choose from Trust Snape or Snape is a Very Bad Man. Because we're jumping ahead a few episodes to coincide with the page count for Book 7, this is MuggleCast episode 784 for March 25th, 2007. Got an email here this week, Jamie. I'd like to uh, read on the show. Feel free. <laughs> okay, this comes from Carrie of Ann Arbor, Michigan. She writes, Andrew, in parentheses, toots. I ponied up 100 bucks to help bail out Jamie with his quote-unquote waste of space campaign. I think that deserves some sort of service rendered, don't you? I'd like to hear him refer to you as quote-unquote toots exclusively for one episode of MuggleCast referring to you at least 10 times throughout the show. Hmm. Um, Jamie, now, uh, Carrie, you might remember, donated... I do. As her message just said, yeah. that's a lot of money. What, what do you think about this? Well, I have two answers for, for this question. I've, the, the first one, which is, thank you very much, Carrie. Uh, it was absolutely r- ridiculously generous of you, and thank you to everyone else who donated. It was an absolute success. But I just can't bring myself to uh, call Andrew Toots, so your hundred bucks will be back Jamie. in the uh, will be back in your uh, account soon. Okay, I'm uh, I'm lying. Of course, I will call you Toots, Andrew, for a show. Uh, yes! Dude, you can't just yes! give in because somebody donates. <laughs> I can. This I can, is a lifelong and, uh, and commitment to not call Andrew by such a stupid name. I, know, I but, don't um, believe it's stupid. I I'll, think it's a very nice. Oh, name. you British! Eric, you always back down. Yeah, just surrender. I'll just, just, I'll just write a retraction after the show. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. We'll sort it out. We'll sort it out. All right. Oh, yeah. I like I didn't hear that. But, yes, Carrie, of course I will. So, All right. back to you, Toots. Ah, thank you, oh, Jamie. Yeah. That's one. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Uh, we have a lot of news to discuss this week, and we have a voicemail bonanza. Woo-wee. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. Why did I say Andrew Sims? I'm Toots. Micah Tannenbaum is standing by in the MuggleCast News Center with the past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Micah. Thanks, Toots. 
Of course, the big news, Scholastic announced earlier this week that the U.S. edition of Deathly Hollows will contain 784 pages, making it the second longest book in the series behind Order of the Phoenix. The U.S. version of the book will have an initial print run of 12 million, and for those concerned about the environment, the publisher has also revealed that each of these copies will be printed on paper that contains a minimum of 30% post-consumer waste fiber. The big movie news, Warner Brothers announced in a press release on Friday that Dan Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint are all officially signed on for the final two Potter films. Each of the three actors, along with producer David Heyman, were quoted in the release. Of particular concern for the final two films was actress Emma Watson, but she said, I could never let Hermione go. She is my hero. I love her too much and love what playing her has meant to me. I'm excited and honored to be finishing what I started and playing her in all seven of the films. The Order of the Phoenix video game is slated for a release one week before the July 13th release of the movie. The game's senior designer has said, you're going to see all of Hogwarts based on the blueprints from the movie. It's all there, and it streams without loading. We're showing some places that have never been seen before, like Grimmauld Place. Finally, a group of six youngsters recently caused 50,000 pounds worth of damage to the Hogwarts Express used in the Potter films. The group members, some as young as 10, broke into the West Coast Railway Depot at the former Steamtown site in Carnforth, England, and destroyed the train's windows using its emergency hammers. Patricia Marshall, managing director of West Coast Railway, said, It will take at least one month to repair because so much damage was caused. That's all the news for this March 25th, 2007 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. Okay, thank you, Micah. Yo. What did you think of the Micah Tannenbaum impressions on last week's live show? Uh, I don't know. I, you be know, brutally honest. No, no, be brutally honest. Go They on. weren't Go up on. to par. I'm not going to lie. They weren't, no. were they? Oh, Micah, nobody can replace you, though, so you just got to give them a chance yeah. to try to be you. Just because you're so cool that other people can't even get close. You know, there's no need to, to rub it I don't it believe those, those were the words I just used, but... Speaking of the live show, Jamie and I would like to thank everyone for coming out. Who came out? It was a great success, I would say, Jamie. It was uh, absolutely excellent. Our first live show in the UK, and although we were nervous beforehand, uh, we thought it went pretty well. And if anyone still has any feedback, please don't hesitate to email us and tell us. But yeah, thank you everyone for coming out. Yeah, and uh, that format for the live MuggleCast show, strictly MuggleCast, is what we hope to do uh, in the future here in the U.S., back again in the U.K., so we're looking forward to doing it again, uh, and that show definitely made us confident that we could do some more live shows on our yeah. own. It's a lot of fun, and uh, I didn't. we apologize about the audio. Next time, everyone will be coming up to a mic to speak. Some people didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was bad, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> so, You're professionals. Yeah. Uh, so we do have some news to discuss this week, and of course the big story is that we found out how long, how many pages, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows is going to be. Hallows. Seven Hallows. <laughs> I'll never get it right. Hallows. <laughs> it's <laughs> never get it's it right. such a weird uh, piece of news because it's it's good because you think, oh my god, this you know it's so many pages. Think how many we're going to have to get through. Seven hundred eighty-four. That's a load. But then uh, you know it's less than Order of the Phoenix. You, so you think even the biggest book that we've had. You know, book seven, the you know the sort of ultimate book is going to be smaller than Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, but it's not like yeah. it's the smallest book that in the series. It's not. No, by the way, it's not by a lot. By the way, you seem really hurt by that. Jamie. By the way, let's see how many pages it is. It's seven hundred eighty-four pages. I said that. You did. Hey, yeah. Did you know something? Pay oh, attention, sorry. Toots. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, oh, Jamie. Yeah, number two. Oh. All right. 
Yeah, we got some numbers. I have some numbers here. Uh, Swisher Stone, 309 pages, COS, uh, 352. Prisoner of Azkaban, 448. Couple of Fire, 734. Order of the Phoenix, 896. Hapwood Prince, 672. And now Deathly Hollows, 784. So, actually, um, hmm. seeing it as... What, you said uh, 734 was Gobble to Fire in the U.S., and yeah. this is actually only 50 pages more than that, as opposed to, like, 90 pages more than that. So I guess it's you could say it's in between Gobble to Fire and Order of the Phoenix. Not chronologically speaking, of course, but um, page yeah, numbers. Yeah, just in case... <laughs> You just in case you didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just in forgot case. what order the numbers come in. No, no, no. Um, but actually, uh, I think it makes sense in a way. I mean, I would have liked it to be maybe longer. I don't know. I'm, con- I'm content with it. The thing to realize with Order of the Phoenix is that it uh, she had to keep so much rolling with it. You know, it's, it, she couldn't really no pun intended. Hey. <laughs> and, you know, she couldn't really put an end to anything so just the fact that this came close to being as long as something if she were leading us on and continuing to throw storylines and subplots and subplots in there i think it's it's a good length because she's not doing that and she does she has to add closure so it makes me think that she's spent a good deal of time doing that but do you think those uh 784 pages includes the epilogue that she's yeah. planning on writing, or, think just, so? or is it not? It, it will include the epilogue, though, because that's yeah. part of the yeah, story. So, Well, part of the... Yeah. Um, one more thing I wanted to mention uh, about the page counts is that it usually means, if they're actually confirming this, if Scholastic is confirming this, it means they have actually reached a final draft. You guys agree with yeah, that? The, with the, like, yeah, all the editing. Right. All of the editing, all of the changing, all of the omitting has been cut out and... The, if anybody knows about publishing, the pages have been typeset and uh, and uh, mm. set into right. pages for publication. Suck if like it must completely suck if they say it's going to be seven hundred eighty-four pages and, <laughs> and then they have to take one word out or it doesn't make sense and it brings yeah. it out yeah. seven eight three. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's, what do you do? What do you do? You, know, you sue Scholastic, Jamie. That's exactly what you do, and well, you make a lot of money. You, you have a that, solid that, case there. You promised it would be seven eight four and it's seven eight three. I want twenty yeah. million dollars. I want my page. Now. Yeah, that yeah. actually. I I wanted to bring that up, Eric, and I'm glad you did. That that blows me away. I can't believe the book is actually finished already. It, it, it was just early. What was it? January what? Tenth, eleventh, twenty first. I don't. A twenty first. Oh, was that late? No, right, it was so it two was months like a, ago. Yeah, it, it was in January that she finished writing it, and already they've edited the book. It's done. I can't believe that. Well, uh, do we know for sure I, that she actually was... finished it then, or that she hadn't? Finished no, no, it? no. She handed it in well, she... when it was half finished, Laura. And <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> she's no, no, going to be okay. She wrote the date in the hotel room yeah, when it was finished. Yeah, that's true. Vandalism. Yeah. I don't. I don't know much about the prior books. Like how long took them to edit that but it just blows my mind that the book is actually finished and when you think about it there's more to the books than just the uh the the, the uh, text i mean because there's also the little like letters that are written by people that they include and it looks handwritten and all that well for instance you know scholastic but i i mean this doesn't necessarily mean that the chapter pictures are done or anything like that i mean mary grand prix you know, you know, because they know how big they're going to be. But they to actually typeset the page for anybody who's taken publications and everything like that it means all the you know indentations and all the text is fit to the page. Then that's how they get the kind of page count, and they officially released it. So nothing is pretty much changing. Can I go off on a slight tangent here and just ask? Yes, I was just thinking that it's actually finished, and you know, where is it now? And yeah, if you happen to get a copy of it, not that you would, and put it on. E- eBay, not that you would. 
uh, and <laughs> and you know tell it how much. What are you talking you go about, Jamie? I, mean, I already in all did. Honesty, yeah, well, <laughs> me too. But I'm just trying to hide it. You know? <laughs> how much would it go for? Yeah, I would guess. But, you know, 10 mil. No, no, that's the problem. Yeah, I would guess uh, Actually, would, 50 yeah. million. Not that I would know, but... You guys are forgetting that, that JK would absolutely reap a new hole It would be taken eBay. down. It would be down. It would be down and the people selling. We're talking hypothetically, and this is a... Ha- Harry Potter podcast, so... Uh, well, hypothetically, <laughs> there's a large-ass lawsuit between JKR <laughs> and eBay right now. Okay. That already exists. Okay. Yeah. Imagine there was a special type of eBay that allowed illegal items to go on there. If you put it on this thing, how much do you think... Like a black market for? eBay. Like, e- like e- Black Bay. BlackBay.com, yes. Black how much Bay. do you think it would go for? Black Bay. Uh, <laughs> well, see, it's such a shame, though, Jamie, because things with eBay, etc., uh, it's all about who has the money to pay for it. So, all we're waiting for now is the cover. And one thing that I pointed out, in the, or the, that we both pointed out in the live show, is that since the marketing campaign is starting up on April 17th, the cover has got to be coming very, very soon. Eh. I can't wait for the cover because we're sort of in a slow period right now. I mean, we are and we aren't. We have the trailer no, Andrew, coming up. We we are in a slow period, we are, Micah. We are. We are. You know we what are. that makes me feel like? What? It feels like I need to to request something of somebody. Oh, Micah, not again. I mean, you know, Come don't you think it. you're pushing your luck already? Yeah. No, no. Why? Come on. People want to hear from Joe. People want her to go in the diary and to make a little entry. That's all I'm no, saying. No, no, Nothing no, Nothing major. No. Oh, well, about what? Just update oh. us on how everything's going. Oh, Micah, <laughs> Micah, Micah. I, I, what, I've always Eric, supported you. You know I've always supported you. But I, I just think right now if we're finding out that the whole book is done editing, I think, you know, she was really pretty busy with that kind of stuff. And I think maybe she spent a few nights without Neil or something. Maybe there actually needs to be a little bit more time. because Neil they time. More Neil time. <laughs> Neil time. More Neil time because they actually and, – and, and, and her whole family because they Sounds actually like just – Nickelodeon show. They, they edited <laughs> this whole uh, – this whole book in two months. I think. Uh, I think I would be. I would not be upset if we went another at least few weeks without it, without a diary entry. I mean, maybe in a month. Then I would complain because I want it for my birthday, April twenty third. But, but uh, beyond that, I, I think oh, um, <laughs> that was a very subtle way. Yeah, of really. Birthday right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Mike. But you- Joe. Joe. You know, we have a connection, so uh, that's all. Mike, I'm one say. day, <laughs> unlike the last show. I- I wouldn't need to sing like uh <coughs> excuse me. I wouldn't need to <coughs> oh I can do that right Sorry. now. Yeah. If you want just to don't die. Just don't die, Jamie, or we'll never so figure out what you're gonna want to get this out. <clears throat> what I would love you to do is to serenade Joe. I want I want you to like put on some violin music and start singing a very, very famous love song and see what she does. I think Mike has a little crush on Joe if I you think ask me. he does. I think he does. So let's get some uh, so, you know, yeah. So moving along, is everyone happy about the length? I am. I mean, I, I, Laura, why are you happy with the length? Tell me why, Laura. And she didn't even see Equus. <laughs> hey. Okay, so Laura, what do you think about the, the length of the book? I think it sounds really, really good because I don't really expect the last book to be as long as Order of the Phoenix because there's so much that needs to be covered. And I think Joe knows that. And there's really not much wiggle room in this book because there's so much that needs to get done. And I think she knows that. And because she knows that, she probably centered the whole book 
essentially around what it's supposed to be about. Harry finding the Horcruxes, Harry defeating Voldemort. That's what it's supposed to be Absolutely about, his right. final journey. And the idea that 784 pages are going to be devoted to that really, really, yeah. like, gets me pumped. I'm so excited. Absolutely right. Yeah. And and if you take Order of the Phoenix, everyone admits, and this isn't saying it was a bad book, but there was stuff in there that could be taken out. And you could easily cut it down to, like, a, I don't know, 700, 600-page oh, yeah. book. You know, but see, as a out. fan... But, I loved it because there was so much of course, extra stuff it, in there. But. Of course, yeah. But as you say, um, Deathly Hallows will probably, you know, every single thing will be essential reading. So it, in effect, it's a book that is a lot longer than uh, Order of the Phoenix for canon, you know, huh. information. I, kinda, like I like that. I like that. Well, yeah, personally, I think it's it's a very, it's a perfect length. It's not too long. It's not too short. But it's not too short. Seven, 784, that's a, that's a big number. That's a lot of pages. And I think this week... Uh, the episode number should be MuggleCast episode 784. Michael, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was good. Um, I actually got a, a Miss Cleo-esque email yeah. um, from somebody crunching the numbers. I, I mentioned this to Jamie earlier. It's very, very inspiring email saying that the number 784 is just 7 greater than 777. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's uh, seven amazing. more pages than seven seven seven. That was from uh, oh. Linda fifteen. Of that is so but, weird. So also, also, if That's you so weird. if you add eight, four, and seven, you get <laughs> nineteen. And if you take oh. twelve away from that, you get seven. Twelve. The number twelve. Grimwad plays. Guys, guys. Twelve. Anyone listening 12. now? You are listening to. Amazing stuff. History is is happening here today <laughs> on on this show. And if if you take, I can't take this. If you take the the first two numbers, seven times seven and eight, multiply them together, you get fifty six. Divide that by four, and what do you get? I wish I'd taken maths. <laughs> fourteen. Fourteen. Divide that by two. Half of fourteen. What do you get? Seven. seven. Can I just make one last point? If you take the number seven, it is actually <laughs> the number seven. Oh, seven. my God. Ooh, that's my favorite one. Let's leave it off there. All right. Well, we have a few announcements now, and then we'll move on to some rebuttals. Uh, we'd like to thank everyone for voting for us at Podcast Alley. We're currently number two on their website right now. We like being high up there because it uh, gets the word out that we're that we're a big podcast in the podcasting community. Uh, we owe everyone, Jamie, two videos. Okay. The first one is the McDonald's video of you eating five Big Macs. And uh, I have that here, and I'm going to edit it soon. Cool. Kind of busy you. with school, so that'll that'll be up on YouTube very soon. And also the suitcase video. I'm sorry, it's out, not out now. I'm honestly, I hate to be the one to be like, oh, I'm so busy. Come but on, I'm dudes. really busy with school. I'm sorry, Jamie. <laughs> I'm really, I'm busy with stuff in school right now. I got people ready to help me out with it, and once uh, it'll probably be sometime next week uh, that I do uh, put it online I'm sorry Andrew's- I am a waste of space I admit it alright we got some rebuttals now a couple emails these are these are uh, these are some fun emails they're not theories I like to call these females fun emails uh, the first emails. <laughs> first one comes from wow. Marie, 23 of New York City she writes about uh, early screenings that we were talking about I think what 
two weeks ago. Hi guys, love the show. You all brighten my commute every week. I just listened to the Toots episode of MuggleCast in which you discussed the early screening of Order of the Phoenix. Early on, you were wondering why the theater wasn't packed with movie executives. I work in market research and we often show groups of people concepts for print or TV ads. The people who wrote the ads are never in the room with the people we're showing the ads because their presence could skew results even if they're pretending to be regular people. They usually watch their reactions to the ad remotely on video. Just a fun fact, I'm sure all the executives were watching, even if they didn't trek out to the screening. Good point. And what is also interesting about this is that they do it in Chicago, in America. They don't do it in the UK. So, I guess it's all about the American... Must be. Must be. ...moviegoers. It's all they care about. And then we have... Yeah, and then we got another email here, Brittany16 of Stony Brook, New York. She has a question for us. Hey, guys, love the show. Just wondering if you know when the New York City premiere of Order of the Phoenix will be. Will you guys be there, and will there be a podcast? Love, Brittany. And the reason we wanted to put this in this week is because it's getting to that uh, time of the year again where people start asking us over and over again when the premiere will be. We don't know when the premiere will be. Ah, that was a bit harsh. We won't... That was a bit harsh. People are no, just no, wondering. I mean, just... no. Come on. We don't know. <laughs> We're extremely sorry, but we do not actually know right now when the podcast is going to be. But as soon as we do, we will let you know. The premiere. I, sorry. Yeah. The prim- it, premiere, it will be yeah. posted on Muggle and of course, we'll be raving about it here on the show. And as for a live podcast, yeah, we do have plans to do one, uh, along with the book release, too. We just don't know when yet. So, or where. Uh, we'll let, when, yeah. where, and how. Well, if the New York City premieres in New York City, I'm going to <laughs> guess the podcast will be in <laughs> New York City. <laughs> We're coming out with some crackers this show. Yeah, really? really are. All right, so Jamie. Yes. At the live podcast, we did a little Equus review. Yeah. But due but to technical difficulties beyond our control. Yes. Or, well, too much control. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we uh, accidentally... Yeah. We uh, we missed... Uh, the Equus part of our show wasn't recorded. We did. So you want to kick off a little review do now? Yeah, definitely. Everyone? Um, I think we should sum it up first of all and just say okay. uh, it was unbelievable. In, it really was. In so many words. It really was. In a and good I think or a bad way? In a good way, completely. And I think, I mean, I can't talk about Equus without thinking that for, for those people who thought, oh my God, is Dan, aka Harry Potter, going to be able to do serious acting, then all, all those people can go and watch it and just be completely. Uh, relief because he re- he he really 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 can and I was amazed. I mean his voice isn't exactly theatery yet, but you know that comes with time and practice and more and more shows. But he did an absolutely f- you know fa- fantastic job and um, yeah yeah it, we're, it really was a good job. And personally, I was impressed when he came out on the stage uh, for the first time. Yeah, I was just like, confidence. wow, it's not Harry Potter. It's no, it's, yeah. a, it's a new Dan Radcliffe. And you realize that first of all, you don't think, oh, it's you know Dan. He doesn't, you know, he looks a bit like Harry Potter here. He he doesn't at all. You realize he's a completely different actor, and you also realize that he takes his roles extremely seriously. You know, there's no hint of Harry Potter in him at all as he yeah. comes out. It's uh, it's amazing. Yeah. So um, there are a couple of things about Dan we wanted to talk about. Uh, He's got the scenes nailed down perfectly oh, yeah, yeah, at this completely. point. Uh, clearly, he's done a great job in the rehearsals and working with other actors. <laughs> say, uh, Andrew yeah. loves this scene. He's he's going to talk about now. He 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 was raving well, just, about this for ages. <laughs> I'm just really impressed know, it by was, it. It, it was, it was it's fantastic, and I got all into it, and he timed it perfectly. On, There's this on. one scene where he starts to go mad, and he's screaming, and he says this thing, "Eck, eck, eck," and the whole mystery through 
good part of the play is why he he keeps saying Eck. And uh, so basically all these lights start going around and it, the music, saw, not the music, but the sound effects are getting really loud and his voice starts echoing the Eck, Eck, Eck. And then with the snap of the finger, he just shoots up. He was laying down. He just shoots up and just looks around and everything's quiet. It's perfect timing. And just as he sits up, yeah, and all the, the lights just stop as soon as he sits up. It's absolutely brilliant. Beautiful timing. Time. Yeah. And you think how, how embarrassing it would have been if everything had stopped and he was still lying there. <laughs> yeah. s- still going, eck, eck, eck. And, then, yeah. you know. <laughs> and someone off stage is like, oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This sounds great, and I'm not going to interrupt, except to say what is actually, if you could give a summary of what the play is okay. actually about. It's um, uh, like what happens to Dan, like who he is. Daniel plays Alan Strang, who is a 17-year-old completely normal boy who comes to a child psychologist um, having blinded six horses with a spike the night before and the uh, play follows the psychiatrist's um, sort of struggle to tap into the boy and see why he blinded these horses but that's that's the main plot but it also focuses on the psychiatrist's struggle with his own life Alan's parents struggle with their own life and it's brilliantly done well thank you uh, another person uh, the guy who plays uh, the psychiatrist in the play ah, no one yeah. other than Richard Griffith aka Vernon Dursley and he does a I loved him in this play he's amazing amazing I, if, yeah I mean I really thought he was better than Dan just because he was more experienced yeah and I just really enjoyed his acting but Andrew, in terms of lines, how many do you think he had? He, he must have had hundreds. He did have quite a few lines, and there's parts of the play where it's just him talking for a solid it's just two a minutes. Complete monologue, yeah. It's, and and it, I always wonder how actors can memorize so much. Yeah, it, 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 and it's brilliant how he does it. He'll, he'll just sit there and lose himself in his sort of script, and you you wonder how he doesn't just suddenly wake up and think, "Oh, I, I was acting there," you know? Yeah, it was brilliant. And so, and he's so yeah. calm and peaceful and serious, and he's got a cigarette most of the time. He's just smoking every once in a while. I uh, coughed that smoke up a little, uh, a few too many times. Which is added to the effect, though, I thought. <laughs> I, I, I think so, but you could tell that was a part of his yeah, role. Yeah. Um, but no, he's a great actor. He just really puts on a fantastic portrayal. So he has more screen time than the Dirty Yeah, he has a, a lot, lot more lot screen more. time yeah, in this yeah. play. <laughs> Lot, he's lot, on lot, for most of Him uh, and Dan are on stage for probably like 90... 90% of it, probably. Yeah. Uh, but I also think we should mention the um, the four boxes, I like to call them. Basically, the set involved... It was sort of a, a general, you know, standard set with a rotating floor. But on this floor, there were four black boxes and everything, all the furniture, all of the, you know, sort of stage, uh, you know... St- furniture was constructed out of these four boxes so they'd form a bed they'd form a seat they'd form like the uh interior of a shop they'd form a stable and even though they were just four boxes the dan's and uh, richards and all of the other actresses you know movements around them made you think you were you were you know actually on these things it was brilliantly done and they yeah. clearly practiced it and they'd like transition scenes so they'd they'd walk around this box and suddenly the entire atmosphere would change like they'd you know walked into a different room into a different studio it was brilliant right right and they would move the boxes there was no like stage yeah. crew to do it they would do it for themselves and during a couple points of the play i was like well what happens if someone forgets to move a box? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. improvise or something. I guess they uh, must do. So yeah, that was good. Also, we wanted to talk about the horsemen. Uh, oh, oh my god! The, these guys play the horses. They don't have real horses on the stage, obviously. And um, basically, they were fantastic. They wear these they uh, masks that are basically 
like they're like cast iron. sort of. They're, like, yeah, they're yeah, cast like, iron. They look very heavy. They do look heavy. But these guys as well, they're like these guys are sort of six foot five, six foot six, you know, lean, tall. And they've got the horse's actions down to just absolutely brilliant. Like like the neck the movements. Move, yeah, yeah. The neck movements, the the face movements, it's just absolutely brilliant. You honestly think you're on stage with these horsemen and they everything they do is just absolutely brilliant. I mean, for me, they stole the show completely. I thought they were just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. They and, were very cool. But, but didn't you think the masks were kind of, you know, creepy? They were very well done, but just a bit... I guess they were creepy if, if like, you were sleeping and you woke up and one was right over top of you. <laughs> I'd be freaked out a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they were they were cool. I, I really thought they were yeah, well done. they really were. And then they also had uh, hoofs. They had hoofs on the bottom, and so when they walked, they sounded like horses, too. Yeah, it's too. brilliant. Oh, yeah, the effects were just amazing, the sound effects. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, the the best part, little spoiler here, is at the end when Dan, everyone knows this, when, when Alan starts uh, whipping the horse's eyes out, and th- their eyes are actually lit up, but to illustrate that they're... Uh, blinded, being, yeah. Right, the the lights in their eyes would go out, and that that was very cool. And and can we say the final scene is just amazing? Everything that has been done so far is built up to this final scene. And whilst there is some humor in the rest of the play, there's like a cut off point about two minutes before the final scene, and you just know there will be no more laughs. The the entire yeah. audience sort of dies down a bit, and you know falls back into their shells and just creeps over the edge of the seat in front just to see what's going on and it's a scary it's a scary last scene but it's done so well absolutely brilliant um criticisms should we talk what should we talk about the effects first because you wanted to talk about the ocean lighting yeah the effects were very well done i mean this isn't like your typical musical and i haven't seen many other broadway plays but this is very bare bones you have the boxes like we mentioned but also they take advantage of a lot of uh stage lighting like uh, when they transition to uh an ocean scene uh the these lights from above shine down on the floor and it looks like uh the lights are moving so that it looks like there's waves and then there's sand yeah stuff like that and then you hear music or not music but the the beach ambiance it's very nice yeah every time we touch comes on yeah <laughs> right at the end lights start flashing and, into the <laughs> <Yeah. and> <laughs> and then everyone just jumps onto the stage and starts dancing it's brilliant it's brilliant yeah. absolutely amazing but uh criticisms um one thing i mentioned it already dan's voice it's um it would sort of break rather than boom occasionally which uh you know it's just it's just because he, he isn't used to theater i guess he's 17 his voice isn't even fully developed yet i don't think the couple of things i'd say about the nude scene and of course it's where everyone is what waits for it uh, it happens very very slowly and you can feel the uh, intake of breath from the audience as it happens but Dan does it uh, you know in, with complete professionalism there's no sort of oh my god I'm getting naked on stage he's an actor now a complete actor and um, yeah it's extremely well, well done he acts as though he isn't naked you know it's brilliant yeah and, and it, now that we've seen the play I, it was really blown out of the out of proportion, you know, all the articles, Harry Potter goes nude, stuff like that. It's just uncalled for, and it's really, it's not true. I mean, it's true that he goes nude, but it's 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 100% true, trust us. It's it's unfortunate that it's been blown out of proportion this much, especially with how serious this play has become, and now I understand why, you know, it's so uncalled for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that scene that scene was very good. That is that's at the end. That whole ending scene was very good. Um, and our, our our main problem was that our seats were not the best. I didn't think they were that. I, I, 
it's just like we all said they were bad, but I didn't think they were that bad. They weren't bad. It was an interesting angle, but we were on stage up in these seats behind the stage. So basically, you're looking down at yeah. the play and like directly down. You have to lean over the banister thing. It was uncomfortable. You have to rest your it wasn't chin most- on your sort of forearms because uh, you can't see over the edge. I wasn't even sitting on the seat at some points. I was on my knees, so I can't yeah. think I get comfortable. But I mean. Yeah, the, the, it was an interesting angle. It was a fun way to watch the show. I mean, it was just uncomfortable. If we were sitting in real seats... It, it was it was a bit uncomfortable, yeah. And also, um, because obviously the actors talk, talk towards the uh, you know, stalls at the front, occasionally a word wasn't heard or... Yeah, exactly. Or, exactly. you know, a couple of words weren't heard. But uh, overall, I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, you know, we, I, we got so immersed into the play, I thought that, you know, we really wherever you were sitting, it didn't really matter. But the only problem is, they had, like, sort of booths around the uh, edge of edge of the uh, sort of stage area, and because you're sort of sitting above, you know, two of them, you can't see what's happening in them, so at oh, times right. we were... We had, like, a blind spot where, where we couldn't see stuff, which obviously would have been solved if we were sitting in the stools, but overall I didn't think it was too bad. Enjoyable time. Sorry, final thing. How often does it um, does it show? Does Equus show? Like, how often can you can you catch, like, uh, Everyday Matinee or what? Oh, yeah. oh um, I think it's every day at half seven in the evening and Wednesday and Saturday matinees. And I think it's showing till June and it really is worth seeing because, I mean, I know there's talk of them taking it to Broadway, but obviously Dan, you know, won't be doing that with two parts of film. So I would really suggest if anyone can go and see it, do go and see it because it's well worth the money. Yeah, and plus Richard Richard Griffiths, he's never done anything on Broadway, has he? In New York City? I doubt he'd come to America to do that play. I think he might move on by then. But see it now while you can, while you're sure you can see those two, because they're fantastic. And that's really the thing to realize with theater, is that they're doing it every day. You know, I mean, they're in the character from beginning to end. It's not just something you watch once. This is Dan going out every day, getting into that character, and behaving in in exactly the same ways. You know, that's what I love about theater. It's just, you know, Dan Radcliffe will be there at that theater every yeah. night oh, yeah, from, from now till June. Unless you know, he's every, got an understudy. Like, Unless he's got an understudy, well, yeah. No, but if he did, though, that's the other question I wanted to ask. If he had an understudy and they took over one night, wouldn't people be pissed? Can, yeah. can, well, he, perhaps, not, can, yeah, can but, he not get any breaks because of that? Or? Well, that's what happens. No, no. That's what happens. Well, I think that's what you accept when you go to the theater. There's a chance he'll, there'll be an understudy playing. And uh, we should bring up the story that uh, John and... Melissa from Pottercast, um, they went to see Equus a few days before we did, and they, <laughs> unfortunately, Richard Griffiths uh, had come down with flu, so they had his understudy. In fact, it was uh, a guy who normally has a relatively minor role in the play. He had been elevated to the part of the um, psychiatrist, and of course he didn't know the lines because he'd only been told he was getting it a sort of a few days before or a few hours before, so throughout the entire play he had a book open with the lines and, and he was reading through it and they said that he was still good and he still got into the play but I think I'd have been a bit disappointed if that had happened yeah I wouldn't have been able to be as drawn into the play yeah. seeing him read from the script yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so that that's unfortunate but I guess it happens um Alright, so I think that's our Equus review. If anyone else has Go any feedback it. about their Equus experiences, please email it into MuggleCast at staff.mungonut.com and uh, we'll talk about it a little more next week, maybe. Yeah, I have to go. 
But the combined uh, number of pages for the U.S. edition is 4,195. Anyway, all right, peace out, people. All right. See you later. See ya. All right, so this week for everyone, we have lots of voicemails to get to. Right, Laura? That's right. You guys ready? Hey, guys. This is Laura from Dallas. Um, I was listening to MuggleCast 81 earlier today, and um, fans were debating about whether or not Harry should live or die. And um, on the death side, people never really seem to... um, bring up that Harry has, like, less and less emotional ties to the earth every book. And, you know, I mean, people are saying that, like, he could die just because of, like, a J.K. Rowling not wanting the series to continue um, after book seven and other people to stale her characters and everything. But, I mean, I think one of the main reasons that Harry might die is from a literary context that um, he has less and less ties to the Earth because of all of his loved ones that he's lost. I mean, Sirius and Dumbledore and everybody. And his parents, I mean, if there's a wizarding afterlife, then, I mean, that might just be the best place for his character to go. So, yeah, no one really brings that up ever. So I thought I should call in. Bye. So she's saying that because he's lost so many people to begin with, well, at this point, that he'd be happier dead. Yeah, someone brought that, that up at the live show, actually, dead. I believe. Yeah. yeah. They did, but, I mean, she's saying that he would, you know, basically die of a broken heart, because I don't think that's Harry. I don't think, I don't know, I don't think he'd ever give up. Um, I don't think she's saying he'd die of a broken heart. I think she was looking at it from more of a literary aspect thinking that Harry has lost so many people that he loves, and at the end of the seventh book, it's very possible that the only, you know, people he could have worth living for would be Ron, Hermione, and Ginny, and she's kind of wondering what sort of weight that holds against his parents and Sirius and Dumbledore, everybody. And that's assuming that those three Uh, don't die. I think that part of the reason that J.K. Rowling has written this character is to show how he perseveres through all this type Exactly, of thing. yeah, I agree. And for him to just sort of die because it's the easy way out, in a sense, to be reunited with all those people, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Well, the thing is, I don't think that he's going to die to be reunited with anybody, but in, um, in her defense, I don't think that's what she's saying. I think she's not looking at it from... Um, kind of a weakness of Harry's uh, of Harry's character. She's looking at it from a literary point. But I don't know, I understand it. So is she just saying that in classical you know, literature and uh, literary devices, people die when everyone close to them is... Uh, when when they nothing, have nothing. Well, yeah, because well, the thing is, you know how on previous shows we've talked about how certain characters, and I'm not saying this is true of every character, because then Ben has a heart attack, but um, (laughs) certain characters in these books have died because they've served their purpose in the series, and I think that's what she's saying, that maybe after Harry kills Voldemort, there's really no point in him being around anymore. But he is the series, It's harsh, A little harsh, but... Well, isn't it the case that in any any fiction tale that whenever somebody dies, they have... They have they have finished yes, their served exactly. their purpose. That's kind of a literary. No, because no, because people. So, but if we take it that way, then if Harry dies, will he have no, served his purpose? Sirius didn't completely serve his purpose. You, yes, you could he say, did. No, no, because no, you yes, could say that his did. purpose was to be he was Harry's done. godfather. Well, he wasn't doing a very good job of it. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Laura, that you think that 
everyone should just die, and that'll be the end of it. Yeah, we don't follow. I'm that not attitude. Andrew. I don't think that everybody should die. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I, when did I ever say anybody should die? Everybody. Uh, I guess that was Ben. <laughs> yeah. But you still think yeah. Harry should die, so I don't want to talk to you. But no, I, I do think Harry should die. And you he's, mean he's mean away person. With too many yeah. things. And this is the seventh book, and seven equals everything. Yeah, it does. According to everyone, so... Yeah. <laughs> seven equals it. death, right? I, I don't know. That's I mean, very I think... Logical argument. It, it would depend what Tate. happens in the in the final book. I mean, I think it depends who else dies. <laughs> and that that's what I meant when I said that. I think it matters who else dies. I mean, if he has nothing left virtually... Yeah. ...other people that are the closest to him... Then maybe, but I just, that's not how his character is built. His character is not built to sort of die just because those who are the closest to him. But, but saying that, I do understand what she means, the voicemail girl. Yeah, I mean. Because, like, um, if you think, if Voldemort had been killed the night that it rebounded off Harry, the whole plot of the books, you wouldn't have a plot because everything that happens is to do with Voldemort. You know, when Harry learns a new spell yeah. it's to help him in his fight against Voldemort, when they go down to see Hagrid, it's, you know, being friends with uh, people on the good side because there is a bad and good side because Voldemort's alive. So I see what you mean. You know, after 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 Voldemort's gone, what will Harry have to do apart from live a normal life, which he can't he can't possibly do now because he's had so upset and you know misfortune that uh actually that was too and go go going back to Micah's point. Actually, Micah, a listener brought up that uh, at the live show last week that. Uh, Ginny could be a deciding factor in the seventh oh, yeah. book because if she dies, or if she dies, uh, that could bring Harry to either really want to kill Voldemort even more, or feel like he has no purpose, he has no one left to live for. So, well, well, then it comes though, down. To, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, you know, he, he could have done numerous things to himself uh, throughout this entire series or put himself in even worse positions, I think. But regardless of who has died, and it started with his parents and obviously Sirius and Dumbledore, but he's, he's still gotten through it. And I know the reason why he's gotten through it has principally been to get to Voldemort. And one of the other things that I think, and this may support what she's saying more than... than you know the position I've been taking so far is just that Dumbledore says that there are there are things far greater than or far worse than death, and I think one of them for Harry may be living in a world where he's lost everything. All right, let's move on. Hey, Mother Cast, this is Jordan from Michigan. Um, I'm listening to episode 81, I think it is, the live in London, and you're saying you want to know if Harry actually loves Jenny or what what if he really loves Ginny because he likes Cho, too. And what I think is he probably does because with Cho, when she was dating Cedric, he never seemed to get extremely jealous. And then you see him with Ginny and she'll be kissing Dean and the creature in his chest roared or whatever. And then when he finally kissed her, it says the creature in his chest roaring a triumph. He runs down at Ginny and yeah. And so I really don't think he could have liked her toe that much if he didn't get as um, jealous when Cedric was dating her. So that's what I think about it. So I love show. Bye. Well, we compared um, Cho and Ginny. We'll say exactly what 
you know, he liked both of them, but how far does that like extend? Did he just have a crush on Cho? Or has he liked Ginny the entire time and his feelings only manifested themselves after he smelt the Amaltensia and, you know, he realized that he liked her and now he loves her? Or is it just a crush like Cho? That's, that's what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So well, what is she saying? She's basically, like, calling in in support of saying that Harry actually loves Jenny and it's not just a crush. And that he didn't actually love Cho. And yeah, I think that he does love Jenny. I think there's no doubt about it. I think, in a way, he always has. Not like, you know, to sound cliche, but I think in a way he's always seen her as, you know, a, you know, kind of like yeah, his family. Say, I mean, these are his family. He's known Jenny for... Since since the beginning, since this they were is, kids, I mean, he knows their entire family, and she, he loves Mrs. Weasley and the rest of them. So he sees Mrs. Weasley as oh, a mother. I don't, that really annoys me, though. When um, in I mean, this is complete deviation. I'm sorry, but in in um, Order of the Phoenix, when um, Sirius and um, Mrs. Weasley are, are arguing like in the kitchen, and um, she's like, "No, no, no," he's like, "Well." he isn't your son and she's like he's as good as and that really annoyed me because he's I'd be really annoyed if I was Harry there because you know she has to act she has to care for him because that's how that relationship is but Sirius has tried his best and it isn't his fault he got sent to uh, Azkaban you know he's an innocent man and and he's tried his best and to be told you know that he's as good as my son when you've been away so yeah I could have punched her then yeah would have well Mrs. Weasley tends to overreact sometimes she gets caught up in the moment. Stuck in the moment. So, she can't get out of it. <laughs> All right, our next voicemail got a little messed up when I was downloading it off Skype. So, Chris from the UK wants to know if Harry had to choose between sacrificing himself to save his friends or defeating Voldemort, what would he do? Because, obviously, if he sacrificed himself to save Ginny, Ron, or Hermione, there would be nobody around to kill Voldemort because nobody else can. So, what do you guys think? Doesn't it come down to the wider sort of... I think he'd want to think that, you know, I have a job here and I can't let things stand in my way, but he's, you know, he cares for people too much. He's like mm-hmm. Dumbledore. He, you well, know, he said so himself. He has a saving people thing. Yeah. Yeah, he really so does. So what yeah. would he do? Well, I think... I mean, what if what if somebody was, like, holding Ginny with a knife or whatever and they said, <laughs> oh my God, it's so bad. There's a queen and let me kill you. What would he do if he hadn't defeated Voldemort yet? He'd say, he'd say, calm down. It's all right. We'll get through this um, together. It's fine. We'll, we'll get through this. What do you want? Five million dollars and use twenty. That's how. Okay, that's <laughs> I, fine. I don't think that's, that's how Joe would end it though. Because no, that's I don't so, think like, so That's either. what you what you see in the movies and the TV shows. And I just saw The Departed the other day. Great film, by the way. And that happens a few times in there. It's too generic. Yeah, I don't. I'm not saying that that's something that would happen. He's basically asking a question about Harry's character. What would he do? Not saying it will happen. Not saying anything like that. Even close. It depends who it is. I think. I mean, maybe not. Actually, yeah. Like, I mean, for Ginny, Ginny, he would. Ron, you know, not so much. Laura, Laura, maybe he would. Un- maybe he would save Ron for Ginny. And- even if they got Laura, in a big fight. You, you just don't understand boys' uh, relationships. We're, you know, we're brothers. All, all men yeah, are brothers, man. you know. We're, yeah. Brother from another mother. Brothers from another mother, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if some psycho came up and, like, grabbed Andrew, right? Yeah. And, toot, toot. and had a knife, what would you do? I'd say, 
I well because I'm an expert in all forms of martial arts. I'd uh, kick the beep out of him, and then uh, Andrew and I would go and get McDonald's. Yay! <laughs> even even if Ryan had like you know, Laura, you say that he wouldn't do it for Ryan. But no, no, no. It was a was joke. Was I was making fun of Micah. <laughs> Oh, okay. In all honesty, though, sorry, Micah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but in all honesty, though, um, it's you'd hope that he'd see the wider, you know, cause because he, m- millions of people will die if he saves Ginny. It's I. What's this parallel? What is? Oh my god! There's a. There's an awesome parallel. What is it? I can't think of this as. Will you save your... No, I don't know. Oh, it's Spider-Man. That's what it, it, It's Spider-Man. When uh, the Green Goblin uh, holds up Mary Jane on one sort of hand and that thing of school children on, on the other. So... Oh, yeah. And he yeah. manages to save both, so I'm sure that Harry would just do the same. Yeah, he just spins some web and uh, kick Voldemort's ass. And save Ginny. That was a very cool scene, by the way. I thought I thought that the, the cool. kids were screwed yeah, for I sure. They were as well. One question is that uh, how is anybody not able to defeat Voldemort? I mean, once his Horcruxes are, are gone, uh, well, you exactly, know, why does it have yeah. to be Harry? You know, to it me doesn't. that doesn't make any sense because Harry's not the only one that has the knowledge to do it. Because only one may live while the other no, survives. But, no, but he's absolutely right. Why does it? This is all. This is very complex. But why does it have to be Harry? Because Voldemort made it so. I think but why? That the why, has why is he the only one? Because he's an idiot. <laughs> no, but why is why is Harry the only one? Okay, this after these whole Harry wasn't the only one though. It could have been but Neville. Why? Why now? Is it only him now? After his Horcrux, because Voldemort marked Harry as his but evil. Laura, Laura, nobody else can defeat Laura, him. If Harry took away all of his Horcruxes, then you tied Voldemort to a chair, and and he took away his wand and Snape came along are you saying that Snape could not avoided Kadevra him because of course he could he could but I, I think, don't know I think, I think there's something playing, I'm not playing uh, I think you're just playing uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not because the prophecy okay are, well because I'm not this, so. this, is, this is the story of Harry Potter so it can't be Snape be who finally defeats Voldemort but the, but that the prophecy is only but if Harry turned around now and said that's it I'm not gonna, you know, do it. So then someone could still kill then, Voldemort if someone had all of his Horcruxes. I, so. I guess it's Harry, true. Harry, it is true. Of course he could. But how many other people it, know about be, the Horcruxes? No, That's ah, well, point. yes, you're absolutely right. But if Harry got rid of them, Voldemort would be a mortal man. Yes, he'd be an extremely powerful wizard. But anyone, you know, a wizard could kill him if they managed to. You know, if they if if they had the skill, the. Uh, magical skill then they could this prophecy thing is um you know a bunch of balls really because uh, i don't think so i don't it's think only so. I as think good as the like... people who believe in it that, exactly. that's the yeah. thing it's true yeah. yeah it really is true i think that's true to an extent but i also kind of feel like it it's almost kind of like karma you know it comes back and and it gets you you know whether know, you did yeah. something good or something bad and it's not necessarily the prophecy it's kind of along the lines of I completely forgot what they call it. The pact that they make. Oh, okay. The unbreakable vow. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of along those lines. Like, you have to do it. But it, Harry doesn't have it's, to, though. It's That's just, just the thing. It's just sort of ingrained. It, but the thing is, they can say he doesn't have to all he wants, but who has more reason than Harry? To do it. Oh, of course he has reason. But it, don't, you, don't you think it comes down to you either view the prophecy as taking into account all the possible choices that Harry could make? So, like, it's it's like the, um, let's think, 
you can't go back in time to kill your grandfather because you'd be dead now. You know, you see um, that, you know, grandfather paradox. You can't say that Harry will change his mind um, and not go and kill Voldemort because the prophecy which is going to come true has already states that one will kill the, the other. So they can't not come into combat. Or you could take it to mean that that's the prophecy. But if Harry chooses, he can choose his own fate, which was a... Yeah, but I think recurring the theme in is... Mortal Kombat. <laughs> well, a lot Great. of a lot of stories it's a recurring is... theme. I mean, it's because people choose to do, or it's more of what people choose not to do. They choose to avoid what is being Issues, told yeah. to them, and it ends up happening as a result. I mean, yeah. so many different. But I think things. the point is Voldemort's not making that choice. Harry could make that choice all day long, and Voldemort true, still yeah. wants to kill him. So as long as one of them is still going along with the prophecy. They don't have a choice. However, just, um, Voldemort doesn't on. know the full prophecy. He doesn't know. Yeah, but he know mm. he doesn't know the full prophecy. But he's still going to keep going after Harry. Can I draw my? Um, I've just thought of the exact link I was thinking of those um, those two different types for people who have seen Minority Report. Um, the woman in it who created pre crime has. Um, for people who haven't seen this, this is just going to go completely over your head, but she said that um, basically the premise is that um, these people, the precognitives, can uh, can see into the future of what's going to happen, and they can see murders, and um, and the protagonist, for those people who haven't seen it again, let me just completely spoil it, the uh, protagonist who works for pre-crime and, and uh, sees what the precogs see and then acts on these and arrests the, the people who are about to cause these murders, he sees himself um, killing someone, and then he goes on the run, and then the uh, and then he goes to see the woman who created pre-crime, and he says, "Well, basically, why can't I just sit still here and um, and n- not g- go to the place where I'm supposed to kill this person?" And she says, "Because." you are supposed to be at that place and everything you do will lead up to you going to that place. So even if you sit still, something will happen to get you to that place because every choice that you make now is already reflected in the future. So there's nothing you can do now to change your future. So either you take that or you take the fact that you can change exactly. You you know, you can just say, right, stop. I'm just going to lie here and completely alter my fate. But didn't it turn out that that memory was planted? What? Sorry? Wasn't that planted? No, no, no. It actually happened. He actually went to the place where he was about to kill, and he was about to kill the person. But but he didn't um, kill him, did he? I can't he remember. Didn't. I saw. No, no. Well, no. Ago. I think he actually. Wait, did he kill him? Yes, he did. He fell out the, 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 the window. window. He yeah. shot him. Yeah, but um, because he thought he kidnapped his son, but but he actually hadn't. And very interesting film, though. Um, Oh yeah, especially the refrigerator scene. That was disgusting. What? Oh, that was awful. Jamie yeah. Gives it two thumbs up. Huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hi, Michael Cast. My name is Hilary. I'm from New Zealand, and I'm calling about RAB. Most of the time, when I hear you talk about RAB, let's just assume it's a he. You seem to think that he knew there were multiple Horcruxes, but whenever I read the locket, because he says I have stolen the real Horcrux. To me, it seems that if he knew there were multiple Horcruxes, he would have said, I have stolen this real Horcrux. I think it can be read both ways, though. So anyway, I'd love to know your thoughts. Thank you. Ah, very interesting. Very interesting. So what does that mean? Or I maybe mean, it was just one that they were looking for. Well, what if it was... And I kind of thought of this, but it seemed like it would be 
kind of anticlimactic, like it was the one big horcrux, like there was something special about that one, but it would seem silly if Harry didn't get a special one, you know what I'm saying? What, for his birthday? (laughs) Yes, Jamie. I think it's just the horcrux because it was the one that Regulus was looking for. Yeah, but why but that the one? Point is, does he, think like, he just split his soul like- once, or does he just did R.A.B. think that Voldemort had just you know split his soul once? Yeah, he did he think he only had it? one Horcrux? Well, what would be the point of that? Well, I mean, it that would, would be very uh, well, productive. <laughs> it would be if you think about how often people give R.A.B. so much credit for. Um, being a character that we've never really seen before. And if he honestly only thought that there was one Horcrux, that kind of just eliminates his character out yeah. of being, really. I mean, he wouldn't have any use in the seventh book. Well, what do you guys think? So we're essentially looking at him being a major player or not. Well, you know, I've always wondered, is it possible that Voldemort entrusted information about Horcruxes to different Death Eaters, so not all of them knew necessarily about all of them, but but individually maybe some of them knew. I don't think he'd tell them anything. It's just, he he doesn't take risks. It's pointless. Well, telling, then how would himself known about this in the first place? Well, there's always a way of finding out. Perhaps he, you know, used um, the Gilliamancy. He read his diary. Yeah, maybe yeah, he, he read his maybe diary. Maybe he witnessed the killing. <laughs> No, Dearest Diary, today I killed someone and split my soul. <laughs> yes. Have a good day. From Voldemort. <laughs> that must be a distressing diary to read. You think of the stuff he's done. Went to kill a young boy. Backfired. Damn. From Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Killed his parents. Hey, Monk. Happy Mercedes. I had this great theory pop into my mind. Um, when James down in the chamber of Sickets with... Um, Voldemort's memory of Tom Riddle. Tom Riddle was really making her a Horcrux. And he was transferring the Horcrux that was in the diary into Janine. So when Harry stabbed the diary, it wasn't he wasn't really killing a Horcrux and he's gonna have to kill Ginny because she is the seventh Horcrux. I think this is a fabulous theory and really cool. So thank you. Pickles. Actually, if Ginny were a Horcrux, it would mean that Voldemort actually removed his soul from the diary and that Harry thinks he's destroyed one, but he hasn't, which ups the number very, of Horcruxes. Very, very. So. But that would just, that would bring into play the, can Harry kill okay. Ginny but let's, for the let's wider discuss cause? It. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what we're doing. That sort of relates to an earlier yeah. voicemail. So yeah. Good work. Well, I think that a lot of people really responded to your discussion on Jenny, I guess, at the live show. She is an well, you know what's so character. great about the live podcast? Yeah, but you know what's so great about the live podcast? Real quick, it's the instant feedback. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And people are just going left and right with feedback, and now we have all these great new ideas yeah. because we and, were able to do it so and well. And out of all the stuff we talked about, I think Ginny was the the most productive. You know, she. I don't think people pay enough attention to her. Not only is she powerful, she's powerful emotionally. She's a object of Harry's affection. She's you know, and that is a very interesting point. What would happen if Voldemort had turned her in, into a Horcrux? It would mean that you know Harry would have to uh, kill her, unless like he only turned her fo- <laughs> her like foot into one, and in, in which case he. he- he could just cut that off and destroy just it. And, off then, her foot. and then, Ginny, uh, I have good news and yeah. bad news. The bad news is your Horcrux. The good news, I just got to amputate the foot. Scalpel wand. I always thought that Horcruxes had to be inanimate objects, though. 
No, no. That's what I kind of had the impression Nagini. of. But then you think about, N- yeah, Nagini. So, well, Nagini. <laughs> and not to mention, uh, according to Mongolians.com's What Will Happen, Harry Potter 7, Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Oh, yeah, Harry's a horcrux in that book, isn't he? Harry is a horcrux. Yeah, was that he a horcrux or his scar <laughs> Good job, horcrux. Andrew. Wasn't that you that wrote that? Um, what, so he's just got look I have a pen name and then I don't have a pen name and that one wasn't written by me that was that was the real Andy Gordon you can't say that the thing is when you say that his scar is a horcrux if physically his scar is a horcrux then all he, he has to do is excise a centimeter of flesh off. yeah and then he's free from it which obviously isn't the case so it has to have an emotional <laughs> That'd be too easy. exactly That'd be so funny it's like in Saw 2 when he uh, cuts the bit of uh, flesh from behind his neck. Oh, that's disgusting. But, uh, yeah, you'd be getting one of these. That would yeah, be easy. Yeah. It'd just be too easy. <laughs> I'd love that. I would love that. I would pay Joe, not that she, she needs the money, but to have the final oh, line. Oh, you're going to pay her? Then hell yeah, she's going um, to do it. To, to, to be like the, the, the final line. And Voldemort said... Actually, I'm tired of being mean. I'm going to be nice. And Harry, pre- yeah. and Harry pressed his "that was easy" button. That was easy. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Dun. Right, I love Harry. Right. That was easy. <laughs> We're so on topic. Back, back to our. What were um, Ginny here? being a Horcrux. Good. The last real thought. If she, yeah, I mean, if she was, what would it mean for the, uh, for um, Harry? Would it mean he would he would have to kill her to to be to be yes, But wouldn't too. that ru- completely ruin his life? You can't. Yeah. But he shouldn't. He can't have a ruined life. <laughs> Not that it's too yeah. good at the moment. He already does. Yeah, I was going to say. No, but it has it has to end on positive now. You're no, right. but see, here's it the thing. Here's the yeah. thing, Jamie. I mean, gosh, if Harry has to kill Jenny, then that means that other voicemail caller talking about Harry having to die. I mean, that would fit in quite well. Andrew would be happy because then Harry would probably go jump off a cliff yeah, and, and he'd get his misery in the books that he loves <laughs> see yeah here's the thing if Ginny dies he like we were saying earlier he really doesn't have anything to live for he's okay, got Ron Hermione he's got his friends no but what I'm, yeah, what I'm saying that's is what he's you're lost saying. so many people how can he walk on walk on seriously though I don't like it I don't like these theories why don't you like this uh, I don't I don't like these theories about about people being horcruxes uh, or part Parts of people being horkers. I think that you I know, Dumbledore laid it out pretty well. I think maybe with the exception of, of Nagini, he may be wrong there. It may just be another object uh, of one of the founders that we didn't know about. I just, I don't, I don't really like the whole idea of Harry or, uh, I just don't like the idea of people, um, being horcruxes. I think it, it does, it's yeah. too easy to sort of say, oh, well, Harry's a horcrux or Ginny's a horcrux. I don't think that adds any, any different element she to could, the story. She, she could that kill people herself as well. It's like Voldemort wants things that aren't going to, you know, spoil his plan and putting it into a person who could potentially destroy his horcrux, you know, just seems, um, you know, but, um, no, but, um, the reason, uh, they thought that Ginny was a horcrux was she, she moved in mysterious ways. She really does She really that. does. It's all right, though. Oh, it's all but, right. But then she was gone. <laughs> the one thing, because yeah. we we talked about this on, on another show, I just, I think there's so much you have to go through and explain if she's a horcrux, sort of the, the steps that she's taken throughout the series. Okay, it's uh, Daniel here from Melbourne in Australia. Um, I have three quotes that I wish you would actually discuss instead of some of these recent topics like whether Harry and Ginny should have chicken or fish at their wedding dinner or should Ron cut his hair. 
I'm, I'm relatively new to the podcast, but for all, uh, particularly now you have a name for the new book to try and fit into the possible outcome. Um, so I have some possible discussion points I'm dying for you guys to delve into. Near the end of Half Blood Prince, Dumbledore said to Malfoy, well, I certainly did have a drink, and I came back after a fashion. Why would he use those words after a fashion? He seems to be implying that he was not whole, not all there, and only partly returned. It follows after that Malfoy says, we decided to put the dark mark over the tower and get you to hurry up here, and it worked. Dumbledore answers, well, yes and no, again, with the not really being there insinuation. Um, also, he says to Malfoy, it is my mercy, not, not yours, that matters now. What does that mean? Um, one last thing was, uh, why was Dumbledore forcing Malfoy to keep talking? Surely it wasn't so Harry could hear how he managed to get the Death Eaters in, or his other felt him until Snape arrived. Was it because of Snape? I don't know. I'm just, that confuses me. Um, so all I'm saying, for all that's good and merciful, please talk about the bigger issues again, even if you have in the past. So, Ron's hair, long, short, what do we think? Should <laughs> <laughs> you cut it? Personally, I think he should oh, go I think for a buzz cut. So cute with short hair. What no, do you okay. mean? <laughs> I've always, um, I thought the last point was very interesting about when he said to Draco, "It is my mercy that matters now, not yours." I think it uh, comes down to the fact that Draco has got, or Dumbledore has got to die there to save Draco, and you know, continue you know, keeping Snape close to Voldemort, because Snape's good, obviously, you know. So, he's saying, it's my mercy, because obviously Dumbledore there could get out of his predicament. Let's not fool around here. He may be wandless, but he's not powerless. So, I think easily he could have, you know, if he can blast apart um, his office against uh, Dawlish, Shacklebolt, you know, um, Umbridge, Fudge, all those people... in there and come up smiling, then he could easily get out of that problem. So I think he's saying that it's for me to go through with my plan and save you and make it look like you did everything. That's my mercy, and that's what I'm going to put into action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Um, as for the um, quotes about him, you know, saying yes and no and after a fashion, I'm really not 100% sure what to think of those. Because when I read it at the time, I was just sort of taking it as Dumbledore kind of gently reminding Draco that he had an idea of what was going to happen. He wasn't complete. He wasn't walking into it completely blind. Isn't it just a figure of speech? I ha- yeah. When you say I had a drink, it implies an alcoholic drink, but he meant a, a you know a potion drink, and he said yes, I had a drink, a kind of drink, you know, after a fashion. I think it just means that it's just a. I mean, I think I, I think he's kind of looking at this from the standpoint of we have seen specific things that characters have said in the books before that were seemingly meaningless, and then it yeah. came into. I think it's just a sense know, of humor, though. It's Dumbledore's light. sense of humor. Yeah, right. I think so. And as Dumbledore's well. not going to give Draco full answers anyway, so it's going to be very mysterious. In any case, I don't think this uh, this supports any sort of Dumbledore's alive theory. <laughs> Which is not, uh, so what difference does it make? Which is, yeah, <laughs> exactly. A lot of people still maintain that he is. Although because it comes down to the Joe didn't say <laughs> that he's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all just imagined it. And also, when someone dies, it normally means they aren't alive, so, you know. <laughs> right. Usually means they're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dead? Deceased, yeah. <laughs> maybe? <laughs> Hi, Mugglecasters. My name is Hansi and I'm from Chicago, Illinois. And I have a question for you. I was wondering, um, 
you know how all descendants of Salazar Slytherin, they have the noticeable characteristic of being able to talk to snakes. So what do you think distinguishes the really smart or for Gryffindor to be brave, but do you think there's something that really makes them different, like how Salazar's descendants can talk to snakes? Anyways, just wondering what you guys thought. Thanks so much. Bye. Courage. Yeah, I think it's... Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, she mentioned that. Obviously, but... they're more, um, you know, um, traits rather than characteristic. I mean, uh, r- rather than skills. But I think, I mean, obviously, Gryffindor is, would be brave, you know, bravery and the ability, the fight r- rather than flight syndrome and, you know, and um, yeah, you know, things like that. When I listened to this, one thought that occurred to me was that um, Slytherin his family would really be on, one of the only ones that would strive to remain pure blood or yeah. as close to pure blood as they could, unless you were Merope Gaunt. Yeah. But, um, it just seems like that kind of trait would stay within their family just because they practically inbred. Yeah. They and are that's why bred. they, ha- that's the, I mean, that's why so many of them have it. And I think that any sort of talents that any of the other founders would have, they might appear every now and then, but I think they'd be pretty watered down just because they're not prejudiced. I think it's I think it's difficult because you know, we don't we don't know for sure who would be a descendant or who's even a candidate to be a descendant of any of the other founders. So uh, use your imagination. Yeah. Well, uh, I think Hufflepuff. Um, you know, uh, diggery. Diggory, I mean, you know, I don't know if there's any relationship between Hepzibah Smith and Hufflepuff, even though she had the cup. I mean, maybe that puts Zachariah Smith in a position to be a descendant. Yeah, that's an uh, idea, yeah. Um, or, or the ghost. This is just a really interesting question in general, because tweet, uh, tweets, <laughs> traits are... Uh, that's a very cool question. It is. Too bad we don't yeah. have yeah. descendants, though. And no, that we know Because, of. I mean, traits could be a lot of things. They could be physical traits. They yeah. could be... Uh, the one in the case of Slytherin emotional uh, traits speaking traits skills yeah emotional. it could be anything um, improvised British joke of the day here what does Doe and Merope Gaunt have in common Doe as in like what? Doe Doe a deer no no, no female as as in, Doe as in like cookie dough yeah <laughs> Oh. They're, They're both, both inbred. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, hey, guys. I think that uh, wraps up our voicemails for this week. We didn't get to as many as we hoped to because, I mean, we we went, uh, we went answered uh, quite a few of them in, in depth. So uh, we'll get to some more next week. I say uh, unless the cover comes out next week or the trailer. Or Joe updates her site. Yeah. Okay, so Laura, you and I, I just wanted to, uh, we got another email, or a female, Jonna, 22, of Jupiter, Florida. I th- I wanted to include this email this week because it's very timely. She writes, hey, MuggleCasters, a few of you, Andrew, Ben, and Laura, I think, are getting ready to graduate high school and move on to college. Just wondering where you are. Where you all are planning on going and what you would like to major in, don't worry, I'm not a stalker or anything, poor Emma. I was just curious, and I'm sure many uh, of the fans are also curious. So, Laura, within the past week or so, you and I have both uh, found out we're going to college. Yeah, good news. Um, Where are you going to college? I got into McDaniel College in Westminster, Maryland, and I'm pretty excited about that. It was my first choice, and I actually visited up there in November. Congratulations. Really, really gorgeous. 
So I'm excited. And just the other day, I got accepted to Rowan University, which is was my top pick too. So we're both we're Yay. both happy campers <laughs> this week. And Ben um, was accepted to Miami Miami University and at was least he? one other. Yeah, oh, cool. So he's not too sure what he's doing exactly yet. I didn't know either until I told him I was accepted. And he's like, "Oh, by the way." <laughs> Um, so yeah, so yeah, we're all going to college, thank God. Michael, where are you going to college? Um, I don't know yet. You know, um, <laughs> well, I was talking uh, to Jamie about have, it earlier. Have a few and we're years still to decide. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> we've got no rush, so we thought we'd think about it for a bit, you know, and then decide in a few years where we're going. I hear all the cool kids go to Notre Dame. Guess we're not cool enough. I disagree. See, I didn't hear that. I expressly <laughs> did not hear that. So uh, no, no. <laughs> Okay, well, that's that, and uh, we're going to wrap things up today with the chicken soup for the MuggleCast Soul. Uh, this comes from Mark W. 22 of Indianapolis. He writes, first off, I love the show. My entire family are Harry Potter fans, and we make a habit out of listening to the show each week as a family. That's awesome. That's, that's nice. awesome. Family Aww. listening. That's very We encourage cool. that. Yeah, <laughs> so he writes, on a more serious note now, the reason I choose to contact you today, I have a simple request that I sincerely hope can be incorporated into a future episode of the show. My brother, Michael, was diagnosed with a rare cancer last year. He underwent chemotherapy and seemed to be getting better, but recently took a turn for the worse. His spirits have been down, but he still looks forward to each new episode of the show, and listening to it always makes him smile. And in that family, I think Michael's listening, so enjoy the show, Michael. Your brother tells us you really enjoy it, so... Yep, shout out to Michael. He's 15 and lives out in Indianapolis, Indiana. So, yeah, thanks for yeah, listening. Thank you. Definitely. And thanks to Mark for writing in. So, before we completely wrap up the show today, I want to remind everyone about our contact information. So, if you want to send us some parcel mail, you can always uh, mail. MuggleCast, P.O. Box 223, Mountain Ridge, Kansas, 67107. If you have a voicemail, you can always call them in to 1-218-20-MAGIC in the United States. If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-8144-0677. And if you're in Australia, you can dial 8 Zero, sorry, zero two eight double three five double six eight. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast. Just try to keep your message about a minute, and uh, we'll, get, we'll get to some more voicemails next week. You can also uh, contact us using the handy feedback form located on the contact page of MuggleCast.com, or you can email us with our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. You know what, guys? What toots? I think I'm tired of the name toots. <laughs> Thank I <agree>. God. <laughs> I think I'm gonna retire it. It was fun for a few shows, but I think it's think it's done. Oh. And then don't forget, you can use our community outlets, MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last FM, Fan Listening Forums. Guys, we've reached 7,000 friends on MySpace. Wow. And I'm not even one of them. Oh, you know, once we get to 7,777 friends, I think I'm just going to stop. Yeah, definitely. We're going to yeah. stop. No more We're friends. We're going to stop adding people. <laughs> so, Get your friend request in now. <laughs> and, of course, you can dig us on dig.com, vote for us once a month on Podcast Alley, and rate and review us on Yahoo Podcast. Jamie, one last thing real quick. We owe people uh, two additional shows. Oh, we do, yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to do something special for them. I don't know what yet, though. Uh, I'll think on it. Okay. Well, two very special shows will be coming out um, within, not this week, but the following week. We're going to have the two extra shows on uh, two Wednesdays. Cool. I believe they're going to be episodes 84 and 86. All right, so uh, that wraps up today's show. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Mike Tannenbaum. Joe, hey. I'm counting on you. Don't let me down. Uh, another request. <laughs> and I, I feel I feel coming, Miker. Uh, so we thank everyone for listening, and we'll see everyone next week for episode 83. Bye-bye. Bye, toots. Bye, everyone.
Bye. Just because you're so cool that other people can't even get close, you know, there's no need to, to rub it. I don't it. believe those, those <laughs> words <laughs> I just hey, excuse used, me. but... <laughs> excuse me. I couldn't hear you over <laughs> I said I, I don't Sorry. believe those are the words that I used. Thank you, Jamie, um, for uh, speaking for <laughs> me there, but... Uh, no, no, no. He'll just be... His head will be spinning. He'll just be in vertigo. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, uh, but listen. Sometimes you can't make it on your own. Oh, he needs so much. Oh yeah. But yeah. I hear that he's going to uh, the hu- huge battles going to be on a Saturday, so it's going to be Sunday, bloody Sunday. Oh yeah, really? So that won't be a beautiful day. Uh, but even yeah. <laughs> but even after all that, he's still one found. What he's boy, looking yeah. for? But but um, terrible grammar. Oh but. god, I can't think anymore. <laughs> I'd have to bring up my iTunes yeah. to keep to going on this. This is the boss, and I'm sick of waiting. I want Pikachu, and this time, don't screw it up! Two, one, two, other. 
screw this one up, Jesse. What you 